American gospel and soul singer Mary Clayton was called in late one night in 1969 to provide vocals for the opening track for the Rolling Stones' eighth studio album, Let It Bleed. The track was written by Rolling Stone frontman Mick Jagger and guitarist Keith Richards. Jagger said that the idea to have a female voice on the track was their producers. Clayton, who was heavily pregnant at the time, was summoned at midnight. Quote, She came with her curlers in straight from bed and had to sing this really odd lyric. For her, it was a little odd. For anyone in the middle of the night to sing this one verse, it would have been odd. She was great, said Jagger. The final version of the song may have come together at the last minute, but the process up to that point had been fairly methodical. Recording of the instrumentals took place in February and March of 1969 in the Olympic Studios in London. Vocal recording took place at Sunset Sound Recorders in Los Angeles during October and November. The song's roots go even further back than these recording sessions, as Richards had written the overlapping guitar intro on a London afternoon, while his girlfriend of the time, Anita Pallenberg, was filming Performance, a 1970 British crime drama along with Mick Jagger. Richards was idly playing in the window of a friend's apartment as he watched a sudden rainstorm roll in and saw the people in the streets rushing to take shelter from the storm. Although the song never charted due to the fact that it was not released as a single, it would find its way onto countless lists of the best songs of the decade, best songs made by the Rolling Stones, and the best songs of all time. That's right, we're talking about number 38 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against one another to find out which one is just a shot away. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my fire-sweeping co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. Yes. What's going on? What's going on? It is, um, it's unseasonably warm here in Calgary. Hell yeah. Uh, And I'm having a good hair day, so it's pretty good. Good Does that have to do on. with the warmth? Uh, maybe there may be like a humidity thing, but I I, I don't like track humidity uh, relative to hair days. Um, mm, so I I don't know. Yeah, maybe I got to keep a journal. Humidity slash hair journal. Hell yeah! A good hair day for Alex. A, a a seasonable day here in Vancouver. It was raining a lot this morning. Now it's just cloudy. Mm. So yeah, so you know, all good. Still better than any any. <laughs> Calgary winter day, except for a warm except one for that you're today. having. That's right. I sat on a rock for a while. Yeah. Down, down by the river. It's pretty cool. No, that is pretty cool. Hmm. It's a good rock. Um, it was a little cold, but I would expect that this time of the year. It's right not on. not bad overall. Like Sick, B plus, Alex. B plus, B plus rocks. That's what I like to hear. Alex, speaking of some A plus rock. The Rolling Stones, what do you know about them? What do I know about them? I mean, the Rolling Stones are a, a very successful rock and roll band that go back a very long time. They've been around, there have been a lot of comparisons to like the Beatles in sort of the early days of what I would consider the modern form of rock and roll. Mm. Um, they've produced sort of the legends of... Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, who are, you know, well known in the rock and roll community as rock stars. 
and uh, they got some good songs, but I would never consider them to be a superior band to the Beatles. No? No. Shit. But I, I like them. Their... Yeah, I like them a lot, too. I like them. I just, I just don't think they're the same thing. They're a different thing. They're certainly different. But yeah. they were, uh, they're both just big rock giants of the 60s, which is, I think, where the comparison comes from. Yeah, I guess so. And whatever your preference may be, they definitely have some good songs, this one included. This one included. Gimme Shelter. Yeah, Alex. The first time I heard this song, it's on a, a hit little indie video game called Rock Band. You may have heard of. Yes, I do remember playing this song in Rock Band. Um, we used to do it quite a bit. And shouting, like, rave, murder, all that stuff. Yeah. We're going to try not to shout that out too much on this episode, which is tough because... Because it's a lyric in the song. a great job of that. That's true. A lot better than what I just did. Yes. Um, You know, talented singers and all that. Yeah. Practice and skills. What is this? Um, I don't know. Professionals, I guess. That's unbelievable. Yeah. But this song is kind of my understanding of the story behind the song and what they've said about it is like, it's kind of generally about bad things and violence. Like they were just feeling like there's a lot of violence and, and, and things are depressing. So Vietnam was happening at the time and like they were looking at all this, I guess, street crime and stuff. Like, I don't know, like there was, they were just like thinking about war. And and depressing things, and and then they just kind of made a song about it. It's very general. Yeah, another the Wikipedia article seemed to cite that also some of the re- the tension of the song is inspired by Keith Richards' jealousy at seeing a right. relationship grow between his girlfriend and Mick Jagger. Right, they were filming a movie together, and there were sex scenes in the movie, so he was feeling a little bit insecure about that so yeah it's kind of that's wrapped up in there too yeah so it it is really about uh strife and disastrous things on both a global and personal level yeah pretty much and that, that apparently extends to the whole album in 1995 mick jagger said in an interview with rolling stone the magazine well, it's a very rough, very violent era. The Vietnam War, violence on the screens, pillage and burning. And Vietnam was not war as we knew it in the conventional sense. The thing about Vietnam was that it wasn't like World War Two, and it wasn't like Korea, and it wasn't like the Gulf War. It was a real nasty war, and people didn't like it. People objected, and people didn't want to fight it. That's the kind of the end of the world song, really. It's Apocalypse. The whole record's like that. Yeah, I was just looking at the track listing, and I don't know most of the songs. But I do know you can't always get what you want. So, I guess that Damn, fits. Damn, that's on this one? That fits, and it's the last song. Yeah, that's how they end it. Well, yeah. that checks out. Kind of just like, yeah, I guess we have to go with it kind of thing. Yeah, and that's, yeah, when, that's why when I always think about the Rolling Stones and Beatles debate is I'm much more well-versed in the Beatles. Yeah, I guess that's part of it, too. Like, I know the Beatles, most of it. Yeah. Because in my older years, which is every year in which I get older, um, <laughs> I'll hear, like, one or two Rolling Stones songs. I'm like, oh, holy shit. Like, this is really good. And then I'm like, oh, it's the Rolling Stones? I thought they just did, like, Satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, they do have a lot of a lot of songs. They've been around for a long time. 
Yeah, it's an expansive catalog. They released a, I think, actually a new album in like at least 2019. I, I don't know. Some new songs. They did something, Alex. I'll tell you that they much have for sure. What appears to be an EP from this year. Yep. Oh, is that turning blue and lonesome? Yeah, I don't know. I could not tell you if it's um. It says 2009 mix, so it looks like it's not new material necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's live stuff, but anyway. Yeah, they were supposed to come. They were on tour before 2020 struck in a big way. They were going to come to Vancouver, and those tickets sold out wicked quick. Let me tell you. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing about them is they're kind of known for being old guys that still go out and perform. Yeah, uh, despite which, having a, a history of debauchery and uh, uh, drug use. Yeah. I mean, the thing I've always heard about Keith Richards is he's like a fairly heavy drug user, but he's like, I do exactly this much cocaine and then I have to stop because if I do more than that, it'll be a problem. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess if you know yourself, great, but... Yeah, the the responsible cocaine user, yeah. an unknown character to most. <laughs> so weird, but um, he's made it pretty far somehow, so... Yeah, fuck yeah. He was in at least one Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Okay, so their most recent album. Oh, no. uh, No, yeah, maybe. The one I was thinking of is called Blue and Lonesome. It's a cover album released in 2016. Ah, I see. Old blues songs that I don't know. Um, That'd be a good guess, Alex. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, and that's the last uh, studio album they've recorded was 2016, which, uh, hey, way to go. That's a lot of live stuff. Possibly old now, live recordings. Now, Alex, let's, let's talk about these lyrics, because if we don't talk about these lyrics, who will? I don't know. Who will what fill this role? genius? This is like... It's like our, our, our duty to society. Yeah, this is our community service. Can you imagine being sentenced to do a podcast? That sounds like a movie. Give me a title. What's it called? Uh, it is called... Cut all this thinking out so it seems like I'm really smart. Sure, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like lightning, Alex. It's going to be like lightning. I've got to actually come up with a good idea. Now I'm just putting more pressure on myself. The longer I wait, the more pressure just, there is. Just, I'm just trying to think of like movies where somebody gets a weird prison sentence. Yeah, it's called... Like... See, I'm... See, we don't call jail cells pods. If we did, this would be so much easier. This would be so easy. Okay, here's my... Uh, we're going we're gonna to tweak it a little. Instead of being just sentenced to do a podcast, he's sentenced to do a podcast on a deserted island. We call it Podcast Away. Podcast Away? That also, also almost sounds like he's doing a podcast like into his radio, but... Also, it doesn't know if anyone's hearing it. And then eventually someone oh, picks yeah. it up and they're like, it's, fans. It's, it's just Castaway, but, but he's <laughs> also doing a, a podcast. A recording just, studio. Just for shits. With his like ham radio that he mm. has for some reason. Um, if you like Jailhouse Pod. Jailhouse Pod. Or like. Um, No, that's not a jail thing. 
No, we we've lost uh, it, Alex. Let's let's bring it back, Alex. That was a hilarious joke that we had to cut because it was just too controversial. Uh, yeah, well, I'm a very controversial person. I like pushing buttons. Brave and controversial, but we can't do that here. It goes against the the laws that and regulations stipulated in our community service sentences. Yeah, well, sorry, Alex. Guys. Sorry, everyone. These lyrics, Alex, they start out with an ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, they come in with some oohs, and that's Mary Clayton. Mm-hmm. Now, Mary Clayton is a pretty good singer. But one random trivia thing about Mary Clayton is that her name is spelled M-E-R-R-Y, which is somewhat unusual spelling of the word Mary. And possibly mm-hmm. could be attributed to the fact that she was born on Christmas Day. Yes. But that's just, that's just a fun fact. Also, singing this song may have killed her baby. Maybe. She did suffer a miscarriage after recording this song. And I think it's one of those things you can't really prove, but there's some speculation that the strain she placed on her body while recording was um, possibly to blame. Yes. With that, we're going to move into the lighthearted lyrics of this song. Ooh, a storm is threatening. My very life today. If I don't get some shelter, oh yeah, I'm going to fade away. Yeah, so like, there's not a lot of lines here, and he doesn't say a whole lot of things. But the storm is a metaphor for, like, bad stuff. Holy shit. Because, as we mentioned before, this song is, like, very generally about, like, feeling bad and bad things happening. Mm-hmm. So it's probably, like... Probably not a super deep song. It doesn't go into detail about anything. And it's a bit non-committal. But it's just like, hey, you know how bad things happen sometimes? That kind of sucks. And I I don't want to be around that. Yeah, it's not like uh It's not like a Leonard Cohen song here. It's not yeah. the Sisters of Mercy where we're getting some real in-depth detail on a singular scenario. This is like a wide painting. It bears some resemblance to London Calling. In terms of that end of the world vibe. True. It's got a little, it's a little less, um, like, committed, I think, in that London mm-hmm. Calling can be, it's like end of the world, but it's got this, like, righteous rage thing going on. This is more like, get it away from me. Please make it stop. Yeah, it's like, I'm seeking shelter, and also, life is fragile, are sort of the, yeah. the two, <laughs> two running themes there. Yeah, it's very straightforward. A storm is threatening my life. If I don't get shelter, I'm going to die. Um, which brings us to the chorus. War, children. It's just a shot away. It's just a shot away. War, children. It's just a shot away. It's just a shot away. Yeah, I guess then then that's kind of the way of noting or denoting that there's this feeling that the bad things, like the war is not here, but it feels like it kind of could be. Like, like it doesn't take much for there to be war. Everything is very precarious. Feels like your yeah. life could change in an instant. It's a shot away, and the, the I'm assuming that means a gunshot, obviously. Yeah, gunshot, and but also a thing that happens like very fast. Very fast, very, and it can come from a distance. Yeah, which which I think is important to note when we get a different version of what something is just away. Hmm. Um. Yeah. With that war, some people suggest that again because a lot of this is tied up in the Vietnam War. That saying "war children." is a reference to the the young American troops who were average of 19 years old when they were sent over. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's kind of true of a lot of wars. There's What's the subtitle to uh, Slaughterhouse-Five? Slaughterhouse-Five, 
subtitle Muppet Babies. I don't know, Alex. <laughs> subtitle. It's like very long. It's like or the, the Children's the Crusade, Children's a Duty Dance like, with Death. A longer version, but yeah, the Children's Crusade. Yeah, so, the Children's Crusade, a Duty Dance with Death. I thought there was an even longer version. It's like dog, half a page long, but I might be making that up. Um, I mean, that sounds like some Kurt Vonnegut shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of that, that idea that, that the war is fought by the children. Which you said, but I wanted to tie in other media. Well, yeah, because so that's how you relate make, to it. Provide some evidence, yeah. All, all, the, all the Vonnegut heads. Yeah. Right, yes, you, Alex. You've got Vonna in your gut. Right in your stomach. Right in your stomach. You know what I'm talking about. You know how it is. War, children, but I think he's also addressing children, maybe, because they're not war children. It's kind of like war, saying, comma, hey, children, children, which they were pretty young at the time, but whatever. Um, yeah. It's just a shot away, so, like, watch out. Exactly. Stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. It's war. Children. Which brings us into verse two, Alex. Ooh, see the fire is Ooh. sweeping. Our very street today burns like a red coal carpet. Mad bull lost your way. Where's another one? Lots of imagery going on. I mean, street sweeping is... Does everybody have street sweepers? We have street sweepers. Is that a normal thing? Um, I mean, I've got them here, but it's for, for all the, the garbage and needles and stuff. Okay. Because we have, like, trucks, as you know. Um... That sweep the streets after winter because they put gravel on the streets, so the streets are covered in gravel after the winter, so they clean it off because it it's, uh, builds up. Um, so I don't know if they have the same experience I in the UK or whatever, but clearly they're talking about sweeping streets um, and kind of comparing the idea of like sweeping, cleaning, but also using fire to just purge everything. The sort of baptism of fire or cleansing with fire idea. Mm-hmm. Now, is it the fires of war? Is it the fires of protest, Alex? What, what is it? Well, I think the song being as general as it is um, probably d didn't necessarily have either of those things in mind uh, when, it was, when it was written. You think so? Um, but they are I burning would, people's I, I would disagree with that. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I think surely, because it is inspired by the times. True. And this is saying the fire is sweeping our very streets today, whereas in the first one, I mean, the war is also directly affecting him. He said the storm is directly affecting him. But to say the fire is sweeping our streets, I think that is, that's addressing the current scenario out there. And songs of this era, this sort of Cold War era, always seem to be addressing aspects of the cold war and in this case i believe the vietnam war so i i think the genius annotation here is probably correct and that the fire sweeping is the effects it's of protests, the war are right. on the home front in the in the form of protests mm, talking about fire mm -hmm. so the fire is sweeping is is that it's spreading more so than yeah it's, it's more, the, more so than it is street sweeping it's like when a hot new dance craze sweeps the nation but this dance craze is <laughs> political protest. Is, yeah, protest. Um, and it it burns like you're walking on coals. Which is like, I don't know exactly what that line is supposed to mean. Well, let's think about a red coal carpet. Uh, yes, Do, let's. You don't, you don't want to put your feet on it for too long, right? 
no, you want to keep moving. Yeah, so, uh, and it's painful, but there's nowhere else to move because it swept the streets. Um, so I think the action is like a mad bull that has lost its way. You're all moving around in this agitation and right. frantic panic. Like there's kind of confusion and you're running at everything that's red kind of thing. Yeah. Or just whatever stabs you. That's helpful. Yeah, so this, this, this verse, I think, is about the mass agitation that people were experiencing as a nation. Like, um, hey, and- you know how everyone's mad? Yeah. Yeah. It's because of war, children. It's just a shot away, so we go back to the chorus there. Um, We get a guitar solo from 203 to 243. And then a hey, hey. And then the the Mary Clayton bridge, which is rape, murder. It's just a shot away. It's just a shot away. Uh, Yes, so this one again, just like in your general sense, tragedies are very, could happen at any time. Like, yeah, life is chaotic. Yeah, things can change in an instant, same as we said before. Mm-hmm. Horrible um, things this one are of, just around the corner. This one, of course, has Mick Jagger cheering for this on the, the third <laughs> repetition of the, yes. the two crimes. There that is, is because, woo. yeah, it's because Mary Clayton decided to really just fucking hammer it, and her voice actually cracks on that third repetition. Yeah, she really goes for it. Yeah. She really does. And he was just like cheering on like, that's a good performance, but apparently it made it into the... Um, yeah, it made it into the final so cut there. Cool. So, yeah. Apparently apparently, Mary Clayton's voice wasn't the only thing that cracked. Keith Richards said that in the original instrumental recording, his guitar, like the neck, apparently broke off on the last note. <laughs> that's so, like, <laughs> legendary. Like, and <laughs> you can we, we can never do it again because it it immediately destroyed itself and like <laughs> cool story though yeah very cool story so that brings us to verse three another cool story mm, the floods is threatening my very life today give me give me shelter or I'm going to fade away we got the song title even though they talked about shelter before we actually yeah. have the song title in here but like yeah now they're talking about floods it's also a bad thing. And supposedly, like, is directly referencing the Vietnam War. Yeah, somebody said it because of the weather in Vietnam. It was, like, flooding a lot. I, uh, yeah, heavy rains. I don't buy that like interpretation. It, it wouldn't have to be, because, like, a flood's just... A, they talked about fire. Now they're talking about water kind of thing. Yeah, and it has that conflicting vibe that we also got in London Calling, which, is, of course, was recorded 10 years after this, so it's not... If anything, it was influenced by this. Right. But the line is, an ice age is coming, the sun zooming in. Where which the, is yeah, sort of, like, heat too... Heat and, like, fire and water. Give life yeah. and destroy sort of thing. Yeah, so these, like, conflicting views of end times. And, I, again, that might be the case here where it's like, well, if it's not the fire sweeping the street that's going to end us, it's the floods. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be something. Like, there's, there's no survive. It's, yeah. Uh, I need shelter from many things. And then, again, we get the chorus. It's just a shot away. It's just a shot away. And then on the outro, yes. Mick Jagger tells us, this Flips is this around. is like the hopeful ending, I guess. I tell you, love, sister. It's just a kiss just away. Just a kiss away. Just a kiss away. Just a kiss away. Yeah, so kind of the like the rebuttal. It's like everything's bad. And this is very like hippie. Mm-hmm. Hippie-ish. But it was 1968, 1969, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that would be 
what I would expect them to say. Like it just just takes love, man. Just takes love, just but there a, is something a, sim- a single act of love away. Yeah, it's just as easy too, right? As their suggestion, like all of this chaos is just one yeah. one shot away, but all all this love is possible with just a kiss. My one thing though is that uh, to kiss someone, usually, I mean, unless you blow a kiss, they don't say it's just a blown kiss away. They say it's a kiss. You have to be close. Whereas, Whereas a, a gun can be fired from a distance. distance. So you're suggesting that they're suggesting that the badness comes from the divides between people, but we can fix it by bringing people together. Yeah, and that you have to be vulnerable in order to, to, to give and receive love. That's fair. That's probably a little more like similar message too, but a little more um, involved, I guess, than something like all you need is love which is somewhat contemporary like not really but kind of yeah all you need is love was was that after this or i'm trying to remember i don't remember it was 1967 uh, so two years beforehand pretty close like to me it might as well have been the same day but obviously there was (laughs) yeah Yeah, late 60s pretty much all happened at the same time so similar idea yeah, but I think that's like the yeah, the ultimate message of it is in that last thing is like yes, all these horrors are immediate and we need shelter from them and perhaps the answer is love. Perhaps it is. Yeah, and I guess the other thing, um most of the song is about the bad stuff. So it really does kind of um include the idea that like it's really easy to focus on the negative when you're surrounded by bad things mm-hmm. and then you can turn it around, but they yeah, obviously don't give as much time to that. So yeah. And it's delivered with the same like chaos and urgency of the rest of the song. True. It doesn't. So it's, it it's, it's easy to dismiss it. Yeah. It's not like a little piano break section where it's like, I tell you love sister. Yeah. It doesn't get it's... all pretty all of a sudden and be like, love everyone. Yeah. If you don't want the other things I said to happen, that's my uh, <laughs> yeah. It's not that's like my a, Mick Jagger impression. It was very good. I thought he was with us. Uh, yeah, yeah. And with that, we're gonna talk about the uh, the instruments, the noises, the the things that make this a song and not just a poem. Not just a poem or a person speaking. Hmm. If I can. There we go. Yes, this song. I think the intro is pretty distinctive, but also maybe just to me, because I know for me, if I didn't know this song as well, I would definitely not recognize it until the chorus. That's true, but the, I I would argue that this is a. Uh, it's one of the things that comes up in articles and stuff you read about. It's like, oh, that guitar. Because it is, uh, I think it is overdubbed, so it's several tracks of guitar. Right. Yeah. For sure. Um, and the tone on it is very distinct. Yeah, and like there's a couple of guitars too, so they, I mean, besides the overdubbing. Um, right. And they all kind of have a neat sound to them. And it sort of comes in with this like rhythm thing. Playing the like, and it's sort of like little chords. And it's kind of. Yeah. Like it's it's almost like diminutive, 
Like it's not this really in your face distorted hard rock guitar sound. It's just kind of like strumming. Yeah. Yeah. It is it's a very light and gentle like even the percussion we're getting is like one of those wooden things that you just run along. Yes, it's called a guiro. Ugh. Or yeah. Yeah. Or a, a guiro. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, it's, I don't know what I'm talking about there. Um, I mean, I would spell those two things the same way. Um, the other thing is at the very beginning, you kind of get these like tick, tick, tick kind of sounds with the guitar. And maybe that's the strings or whatever, but it almost sounds like like a like a helicopter in the distance, sort of like kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but it almost seems like they had like a little Vietnam reference in there. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, but I won't give it to them either because I'm stingy. Yeah, but that's the very beginning, and then they get to the second part of the intro, which is when that guiro comes in, um, yeah. and then the vocals, the, the like backup vocals doing the... Mm-hmm. That is Mary Clayton, who is Mary erroneously Clayton. credited as Mary Clayton, spelt the regular way spelt you would spare, way spell you... Mary the name. As in... Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, yeah. that way. Um, that way. And <laughs> I'm trying to think of another Mary. <laughs> I don't um, know. Ma- Mary Magdalene, the... the We're going hard the for biblical, biblical references Mary. here. Yeah. Uh, it's Christmas. It's Christmas time, man. Give me shelters a Christmas song. Of course. Um, although I do remember it from Christmas only because we went during Christmas break, we would get together a lot and play a lot of rock band. Hell yeah. Like all like for days. Um, so it kind of has a Christmas feeling to it or Christmas memories at least just for me and probably you too. Probably. Maybe you too. too. (laughs) 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 Who can say? Uh, and then the other guitar comes in as well, which is a higher higher guitar that is playing like sort of little riffs and it sort of does yeah. that throughout it's kind of like a like a bluesy more bluesy riff playing guitar right yeah so we got one dedicated to the 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 rhythm and then yeah another doing your blues riffing which we we note in pretty much every blues song yeah. and of course the rolling stones being a very foundational rock and roll band have an obvious blues influence yes definitely um Although the somewhat odd thing uh, is is it really takes a back seat a lot of the time. Like, even mm-hmm. when it is riffing, there's other stuff happening. So it's not like sing, riff between lines, sing. It's, it's less noticeable. Yeah, it's very supplemental. And there is, uh, I think, a big focus on the vocals in this. Because both Mick Jagger and Mary Clayton are, are known for belting it pretty hard. And I think they both do that here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this is just the beginning. They haven't even started singing yet. Yeah. Um, there's some piano in this song. Yeah, there's uh, piano. I've only noticed it on the third verse. Does it come in before that? It does come in early, like uh, like probably just after 30 seconds, but it's just playing chords. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's pretty it's, yeah, tucked in fitting there. fitting into the background pretty good. Um, According to the personnel on Wikipedia, there's also a saxophone. I didn't actually notice the saxophone. I have to actually maybe that's that distorted noise that comes in on like the guitar solo section. Maybe. Um, one other thing I want to note about the the piano is it kind of like it'll play a big chord and then it plays along with the 
rhythm guitar sort of like but very mm-hmm. high on the keyboard so be like bum ding 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 kind of right kind of like that hell yeah it's a very like rich and dense like uh instrumental section yes absolutely yeah there's a lot of sounds happening yeah and there's uh always this driving with the drums they do this big like big tom hit section that tends to always take you to the next part of the song yeah there's sort of a and on top of that like that's kind of how they start with the transition because there's like three different intro sections yeah um but when they actually go into the verse and then it gets played again during the chorus they play this like and so that plays the tom part and then the guitar plays along with it like everything kind of plays along with that yeah, there's a bit of that wall of sound like ideology yeah. behind oh, yeah, these definitely. instruments doubling up on certain sections. Um, so that's kind of like I call it the transition riff, but it's actually only transition like one or two times. Um, it just gets played, and that's fairly distinctive to me. Like that's a, an identifying part of the song is that sort of everything joins in riff, mm-hmm. which I'm gonna call the transition riff because it's uh, easier. Yeah, I'll allow it. Now, this saxophone's got me bugged. Um, if you go to like two, like go to about the two minute mark. The, you think right that's a saxophone? Maybe. Is it a guitar? Uh, like It kind of, what it sounds like to me is a guitar they were trying to make sound like a harmonica. There is a harmonica or in a this harmonica as well. That they, could be the harmonica. They just like fucking distorted the shit out of. Like right, it could it would, be a like, harmonica because it sounds because a bit uh, like one. And there is a harmonica in this, so that might be that. They just, like, compressed the ever-loving shit the out of it. shit out of it. Because <laughs> I was uh, listening to it, and I was like, it's got distortion like a guitar, but, it like, it's not hitting like that. Yeah, it's definitely... I could see that being uh, being a, a pretty heavily affected harmonica, definitely. Because it's got I'm, that I'm sort of... The way they that. play it has that, that blues harmonica style. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still don't know about a saxophone. A saxophone. And the th- the crazy thing about the saxophone, it's co- played by a guy called Bobby Keys. His last name's Keys, and he plays the saxophone? <laughs> he picked the wrong instrument, Keys. <laughs> Although, Fuck saxophone kind up. of has keys on it, like, I think. I knew you'd make an argument for this, but yeah, the little, like, uh... I don't know if you actually I call them keys, keys you press. I don't know if you call them keys. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Still, like, it's not the most obvious choice. Certainly not. I mean, Alicia Keys figured it out, but it took her... Yeah. <laughs> this was decades later, so maybe people just didn't know at the time. Huh? Right, yeah. They, they weren't sure how to make musical pun names. I don't know. My last name's Trumpet. I guess my career's <laughs> chosen for me. <laughs> uh. But... um. This song, yeah, what else happens in this song? It's a lot of, I mean, it, there's a lot of, like, that layer stuff. So, like, um, they'll, they'll continuously play that part. You know, the drums, everything's going. And then there's, like, some guitar riffs and stuff. And it's fairly, fairly, um, like, regular. But, but... Uh, I'm just trying to think of what else is of note. Uh, I noticed that Mick Jagger, his vocals seem very, like, kind of got like a bit of a almost like spring echo type echo on it. 
Like they don't okay. like when I was actually listening to the vocals, which I normally don't focus on in this song so much. They really sound echoed even more so than I would expect from a typically like at least double tracked vocal line in a pop song. Right. But I don't know. Just had an interesting sound on it. Yeah, they are. And the vocals are very interesting. And then, of course, for the chorus and some lines on, I think, verses two and three, he's backed up by Mary Clayton. Yeah, who, I mean, we know she does a great job, but she does a great job. Let's, yeah, I'm going to say it explicitly. Um, And like, there's the moments where she, her voice cracks, like she's really going for it. Mm -hmm. clearly like i watched a couple live versions and um the live singers don't do that but i don't think they could like that's not sustainable i don't think you could do that for like six months of a tour you wouldn't be able to sing afterwards or you gotta break your voice every fucking night like yeah like that can't be healthy but uh but it's good it's good that is good. And of course, uh, Keith Richards is also credited with backing vocals on this. Which, I mean, there's so much stuff happening. I think it's easy to miss things. So Yeah. I don't so, doubt But I, I wonder if that is playing into how you're hearing uh, the Mick Jagger vocals, if that's part of the echo. It could be. Uh, I don't know if he's just sing along with like the, the verse. Yeah, I, I don't know. I honestly can't tell you where he backs up. <laughs> yeah, I haven't noticed him. And uh, I haven't noticed that saxophone either. No, I mean, me neither. Extend- no, there's not an extended version, I don't think, because there's not a single, you said. There was never a single. No, yeah, there's no single. Hmm. I'm not sure, man. Yeah, very strange. But, uh, yeah, you know, like, it gets bigger as we get to the end. The, uh... The bridge is very big, of course, with Mary Clayton taking the lead fully. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a powerful, energetic song. It's cute. Yeah, it's cute. It's a lot of like that repetition at the end because they kind of do. There's like two outros basically because they do yeah. the verse and then they do the kind of the positive version of the verse. Yeah. There's a lot of that outro and they do do a fade out, um, which I'm neutral about. Yeah, I think it's uh probably fine on this. It's it's usually like fine. I'm just a, a little disappointed that it's not different. But it's not actually that big a deal. Yeah. Because it ends with a guitar solo too. There's two big guitar solos in this That's along true. with uh a, that distorted harmonica. Yeah, which I thought was a guitar this whole time. But I but sure I was but it could it could definitely be a harmonica. Yeah, I th- I think it is. I <laughs> I still don't know where that saxophone is though. Maybe it's like doubling the harmonica. Yeah, maybe. But there's definitely like, there's definitely wall of sound principles at play here, which yep. is probably not helping us pick things out. Yeah, the other thing, like the guitar solo, um, like that what the midway one. Mm-hmm. Which they call a guitar solo, but like it's really that. What we've called a harmonica sound, right? Yeah, that, that blown-out, distorted wailing. Boom, boom. And, like, there's kind of a guitar solo as well. They're both sort of happening at the same time. But the harmonica no. sound, it's, like, fairly repetitive. There's a lot of, like, repeated notes, which supposedly was a little more common in, like, 
saxophone solos. <laughs> so I'm not sure what to make of this. Yeah. And, but it doesn't sound like a saxophone at all. And I'm not trying to say it was, because I don't think it was, but... But it is something, Because it does, like, the... And it's just, like... Yeah, so, like, the first half of that is really uh, that that instrument soloing, and then around 220, 219, that's when the guitar starts to solo. Oh, yeah, I guess they do trade off. Yeah. Um, also worth pointing out, there is a bass guitar in this, and it, it mostly does kind of like root notes and little uh, licks at the end of certain phrases. Yes, and plays that bam, 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 bam thing. Yeah, the it, it assists the drums on everything those transitions. Does. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big piece. If we've got nothing else to say about the, the song itself, we should talk about the 1998 music video. Uh, directed by Michel Gondry, the uh, French film director. Did you watch this, Alex? No, I didn't find this one. I okay. found an you, official did you, promo. Did you find the official lyric video as well? I didn't watch it, but yeah, I did. Okay, yeah, I, I found that one first. So there is a 1998 music video directed by a French filmmaker. It's uh, pretty interesting because it has like yeah, actual acting and dialogue in it. Oh, but it might be inappropriate for some viewers. It's is it the Vietnam one? No, it's uh so it's about these these two uh boys who escape their abusive family, or their dysfunctional family that's abusive. It's let's face the facts, it's abusive. Ah, uh, nineteen ninety eight, here we go. Yeah. Okay. First I gotta watch this ad about oats though. <laughs> there we go. You watching this now, Alex? I'm I'm skimming through it. Sounds like they use a live version of it. Yeah, it seems to be the case. There's a kid so, yeah, writing this... on a wall. Yeah, and that pisses off. So the, what happens is the there's two brothers. The older brother comes home to find his parents fighting. And then he's like, hey, you guys cool it. And the, the, the little brother is like doing some drawing under a table. Eventually, he gets into a fight with the parents. Uh, the kid's drawing like war, which will come up later. Then the older brother takes the younger brother and they fuck off to, I think, what's presumably their uncle's house. And they're like, hey, uncle, can we crash here? Our parents are lunatics. Then the uncle looks out, and the younger brother is drawing on the wall. And so he starts chasing him around. At which point, the older brother is like, okay, well, I better steal this dude's truck keys. And we're going to drive away to live in this punk rock squat. Which they do for a bit. Um, and they're playing... Somebody in the comments pointed out what PlayStation 1 game they're playing. Yeah, I'm try I, I don't recognize the game. It's some sort of side-scrolling beat-em-up. I think it's called, like, Fighting Force or something. Fighting Force. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, Fighting Force, says somebody in the comments, which I assume is in reference to that. Yeah. So, and they're fine there like, until... side-scrolling by the looks of it, but it looks like it no. is in a video. So, yeah, they're playing PlayStation 1, but then uh, I guess this dude is kissing the older brother's girlfriend. That that seems to be what's happening. Like, I, I didn't see the setup for that, but... But yeah. based on what, like the way they they play the scene, that that's that looks like what's going on. Yeah. So then he gets because they fight. pissed off, fights that guy. Then he takes his brother to break into this junior high school, and they just crash in a classroom. And he draws uh, the a brother. Tank. Yeah, it starts looking like a house, but then he draws a tank, and it comes to life. Oh shit! So they fight this. They uh, yeah again. They're in war with this uh this drawn tank. Um, one of these, they turn up some desks as like and a it barricade. At them. 
Yeah, one of the one of the the desks becomes a uh, a mounted gun, and then the older brother grabs a a rag of some kind and uses it as an improvised explosive. Which, of course, I think two individuals fighting a an armored vehicle calls to mind the Vietnam War pretty directly. Definitely, in, they've got that like guerrilla tactics sort of thing going. Yeah, it's his shoe. My bad. He puts he puts like gum in his shoe or something that blows up the. And then the, a police the tank officer on the chalkboard. Like, yeah, and so then here? they fuck off, steal another van, or another car. Anyway, this one's a van. The last one was like a a tow truck. And then they abandon the the van, steal the the back seat out of it, like the bench. And then they go and hide in a, a cave. Like on the beach? Yeah, like cave. on the beach. And that's, that's, like, that's the music video. It's about their escape from society. Cool. And then it becomes color in the end, it looks like. Yeah, we get some color. It's hard to tell what it's supposed to look like because this looks like a VHS rip. Yeah, it looks totally blown out. I'm not sure yeah. if the, the like, lines are, are meant to be there or if it's just a bad quality version. Yeah, it's hard to say for sure. But yeah, that's the music video. Um, a pretty interesting take. Very, I mean, very interesting to watch. I think the the scene with the the chalkboard is obviously probably the best part. Because they fight a chalk tank. Yeah, it's very creative, and it it's it's sort of foreshadowed by the kid drawing a little war uh, drawings at the beginning. Right, war is just a. Just a shot away. Mm-hmm. All it takes is one child to draw a tank on the chalkboard, and next thing you know, it's guerrilla tactics all day. All day, yeah. And of course, the the whole the whole plot line is these two kids seeking shelter in a variety of locations, eventually deciding that society has no shelter, and so they they hide out in a cave on the beach, and then stare at the sunrise or whatever. Yeah. Oh, and then he That's looks the at images though. of society through the cave. Yeah. Entrance. And they're very colorful. Pinks very, very colorful. Yeah, that's the music video. Yeah. Released almost 30 years after the fact. <laughs> yeah. That was the music video. With that, Alex, I want to ask you to dig too deep into it, because you, you've just seen it for the first time here. Let's start talking about some covers. Yeah, let's talk about some covers. Let's do it. Let's do it. The first one is Mary Clayton in 1970. Yeah, she recorded her own version of the song um, a few months after singing back up in the original. Um, she, we talked about Mary Clayton recently, actually, in our Cornflake yes. Girl episode. She also sang backups in Cornflake Girl. Mm-hmm. And she's been around forever. Like She, I think, started in like the early 60s, um, and she was working as like a backup singer and as a, a studio recording artist i guess um, yeah for a long time and this was her so first solo album 
She also played the original Acid Queen in the uh, first run of Tommy in London. Hey. So that's fun. That is fun. Um, yeah, and she made the smart decision to release this as a single. So it hit number 73 on the U.S. billboards that year. Which, I don't know why they didn't do it with the original. I guess maybe it doesn't seem like the kind of song that would hit as a single. Yeah, maybe too long, because it's about four and a half minutes. Yeah, I guess you can't really know. Mm-hmm. But it seems so obvious with hindsight. Of course. But we are in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we uh, sure are. For another couple weeks. Yeah, we're coming close to the end of this. 2021, you know, COVID-19 can't survive two years after its discovery. That's yeah, a fact. I mean, you can't have 19 and 21. That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't divide. It's a this town ain't big enough for the two of us kind of situation. And uh, we'll have COVID-21 instead. COVID-21. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to it. Very excited. Um, so this one starts off with a guitar and some kind of, some kind of, like, glockenspiel, maybe? Yeah, it's a glockenspiel type sound. Yeah. It's kind of doing the same thing. So, like, the guitar is doing a similar, um, part to the rhythm intro from the original. It's mm-hmm. a little, it feels a little, like, sharper, because a lot of the original sounds were kind of unfocused, because they all sort of fit together. You know, in this like weird amalgam of everything happening. Yeah. But that's much less happen that there's there's less of that here. It feels like it's yeah, much more fun. Absolutely. And then interestingly, despite Mary Clayton being on the track, she doesn't do the uh the intro ooze. She leaves that to a, another guitar. Yes. There's another like overdriven guitar that just plays that bit. I guess yeah. you differentiate your thing and there's maybe she just didn't want to bring in backup singers cuz I think this one is going for more of like a traditional build. True. For a pop but she song. does have backup singers on she this. She does, but they don't come into later. Yeah. So maybe that was like too much for the start. Started with like a fairly thin guitar and then bring in the backup singers later. I'm saying, yeah. I, I, I think I see why you might do that. Yeah, I think, like, off the bat, it differentiates it. If Even if you got, like, the oo-oos in there, people might be like, oh, it's the Rolling Stones. Like, no, True. it's Mary Clayton. Right, you want to differentiate yourself. Sound mm-hmm. different. I don't know if you'd play the other one on the radio. It's not a 45, but you can still theoretically play it on the radio. Yeah. I don't and know then that after that intro section, we get brought into the vocals with uh, some horns. They go, bam, bam. Oh, yeah. This song breaks out, like, pretty majorly. Yeah. Briefly. Only briefly for horns. But the rest of the song stays fairly up as well. Yeah. You get your, your classic drums coming in. Yeah. Uh, rhythm moves on to the piano. So, like, there's a fairly yeah. kind of, like, groovy piano. Possibly two pianos. Cause like, I'd buy it. I mean, a piano you can play with two hands, obviously, but it gets kind of tricky if you're like in the same range. Cause it kind of, to me, sounds like there's two pianos in the same range here. Right. But I don't know. And also, it's split into two ears, so I feel yeah. like it's probably two instruments, but I don't know. I believe it, Alex. Yeah. And then where this one really kicks off, if you think the verses are big, uh, the choruses are even bigger because the horns come back full blast. 
Yes, and this is also when the backup vocals come in, like a choir yeah. coming in. Yeah, because her roots are in soul and gospel music, so this really draws heavily on those. Definitely. It's got that sound. She's from, like, New Orleans or something, so. Yeah. They do play that, like, transition riff. Um, oh, yeah. The... I feel like I'm not really doing it justice when I do that, but I'm also not but, but... A, a whole bunch of instruments playing together. Exactly. It's, it's the basis of it. They just make it a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel better now. Good. Um, they kind of fit in a little, like, guitar interlude in there. Like, it gets some, gets some good licks in before the next it... verse. Yeah, after the it, after it's, the course, you could almost call it a solo, except it's like maybe ten seconds. Yeah, so like maybe it is a solo. If this was in Rock Band, would would the background of your of your um fucking thing change to blue? Change? Maybe. I Sometimes they would for really short. They ones. did sometime. They do like like three really short ones in a row or something weird like yeah. that. Yeah. Or like a like a very short drum. So I feel like there were some short drum solos. Yeah. Anyway, rock band. Memories. Rock band, man. Um, where was I? Uh, so yeah, you get that little guitar bridge. Then the horns come back for the second verse, along with some backup vocals yes. going. Ooh. Yes. Um, the bass pattern also like gets a little bit more complex here. Um, it was kind of mostly repeated notes before. But now it's kind of going up and down the neck, and at one point it's fairly high, too. Right, yeah. It starts to approach a walking bass line the further we get in the song. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's it's a good, I think, subtle thing to do to increase the intensity. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes you really don't notice the bass. But, right. And, but it's still there doing its thing and, like, picking things up. Kind of, a, yeah, in a sneaky way. It's very sne- it's a very sneaky instrument. Very I've sneaky. Said that. I've always the said bass that about is the bass. sneaky <laughs> instrument. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and um, a little, just a very small, uh, lyrical change. She at one point says, "It's one shot away." One shot away. Yeah, I I mean it's, it's like pretty basic ad libbing, like say uh versus yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. But yes, it is. It is different. And then we get another guitar solo after the second chorus. Yes. This one's more proper. Almost yeah, and space. actually, this one lasts actually, I guess it's only like 20-some seconds long. But it's definitely like a guitar solo length. Yeah. Um, And then she also she has some like uh, ad-libbing for that part. And kind of gets into some of the like, like, approaching the intensity of the original she gets some of that like screechiness like vocal breaks sort of thing uh not quite as much which like okay that's fair uh you probably don't want to do that too much uh but but gets a little more intensity yeah and then she does the uh the uh the murder bridge with the horns back in her and then the uh, there's after that we get bridged to the next verse by the backup vocalist saying "Give me shelter." Sorry, I'm just I'm just grooving along with this horn horn segment. They also play that like arc. 
I feel like this is a really common horn riff. Yeah, like I've heard that before. Uh, it's very just like hype man horns. Yeah. Um, I don't know what kind of jump that is, but uh, but they're doing that. They really hype up the horns as you go throughout. Mm-hmm. Give me shelter. Give me shelter. Yeah, that's those backup vocalists. And then, of course, the third verse. Like it's a, it's a close, um, close structural copy. Yeah. Well, being about a minute shorter. True. I think I don't know if they pick it up, or I think maybe the guitar solo is short or something, or there's something less like outro. That. I didn't actually pay. I didn't actually check. Yeah. I forgot to. Now on this uh, third verse, the flood verse, we get a little bit of that waka chawaka kind of guitar. Yeah. So you get that like wahing on the guitar, kind of like wah yeah. muting. I don't know exactly how you do that, but I think it's a combination of muting technique and wah. Yeah, that would be my guess. Um. And then the bass cools it off for this part. You're really focusing. Now they've got that guitar out. So the bass isn't doing its big thing just mm-hmm. now. But I, th- I don't remember if it comes back later. <laughs> Damn it. That, it would, does. Be it. that it, would be important to know. Around like, th- if you go to like 310, it's, it's doing, Thanks it's kind of combining the two. So it'll do a lot of root notes and like, doo, 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 doo. so it'll go like root note section, then a quick walking bass line transition right. back to root notes. Almost like fills. Yeah. Excuse me. That is 100% um, like fills. Yeah. And then it's uh, <laughs> it another fill. fade out. Uh, yes. I mean, the, the, they kind of bring everything back for their like outro and they do a bunch of outro stuff, but yes, they also fade out. Hell yeah. Uh, this version definitely has much less of like that darkness to it. Yes. This is like party version. Yeah, it's almost triumphant with those horns in there, right? Yes, which I mean, it's not horn's fault because they just kind of sound like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's more focusing on like the themes of the end, but while singing the rest of the song right yeah that's how it sounds to me although you never know sometimes those those uh those wah guitars are a little insidious sounding yeah they can be for sure i'm thinking diamonds are forever but anyway uh but yeah it's kind of a it's a it's definitely a more groovy version certainly it's got it's got that feeling but uh, I, I, and I went back and forth on it because I'm like, well, it doesn't fit the, the feeling necessarily. But it still seems like a pretty solid, solid cover. Yeah, I don't know it's, if you um, definitely necessarily need to totally fall in line with all the themes. But it does yeah. kind of drop some of that. Does, yeah, you do lose some of that grit that's in the original. Some of that, whatever it is, some of that darkness. Some of that urgency. Yeah, there's almost like a malaise to the original mm-hmm. one. The way they don't bring a lot of the instruments forward. Everything kind of just fades into the background. That you don't get in this version. Yeah. It's a lot more straightforward. Yeah, that one. That said, this one, very listenable. Very energetic. Yeah, can see um, why it would be a hit. Yeah. With Hot that, we're going to talk about Cal Jader in 1971.
yes, this is an instrumental version, but it's also yes. actually I looked up Cal Jader. There's not a well, I guess he's apparently, according to the article, this is a quote, the most successful non-Latino Latin musician. So yes, a Latin musician who performed in performed Latin type music. He was primarily a vibraphone player. Yeah, but also played some other stuff. Kind it's too bad his last name was vibraphone. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Jader means vibraphone in Maybe. some language. Some language. I'm going to guess no. Um, so yeah, this is instrumental. And you better believe there's some fucking vibraphone in this, my man. Oh, there's some vibraphone in this. But there's some other, there's a fair amount of synthesizer in this as well. Yeah, this is 1971. So yeah. I was uh, a little surprised by that. Kind of early synth work. Synth, yeah. Synth work. Uh, fades in on synthesizer um, and then plays kind of a slowed down, less like strummy version of the um, rhythm part on, an, on, I believe, an electric piano. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I thought it was a vibraphone at first because I was getting excited about the vibraphone, but it doesn't sound like one really. So, but it just kind of does that like. Yeah, you're right. I believe that is a. Uh... Yeah, because then it comes in on the second round of that uh, that line, that melody. Then yes. you get the vibraphone on top of it. Yeah. Yes, and like I think a theremin or some yeah, sort doing, of yeah, like, doing doing the ooh yeah. woos. Yeah. Yeah, I, theremin is what came to mind for me too. So it's I, definitely I agree a theremin there. sound, whether or not it's a theremin. Like I think you could recreate that with another synthesizer because realistically right, you could. It's, it's just it is get a, a different thing to control the synthesizer, but. But it it's got us uh and it's the way it slides definitely sounds like a theremin. Yeah, it has that distinct theremin styling. Mm-hmm. And then there's also a wah guitar on this doing some rhythm in the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Excuse then wind. Me. There's like a wind effect. I don't know if that's done by a synth or if that's just added in, but there is like wind. Could be like static or something, because oftentimes the uh synth will let you add in like noise and it's just like like white okay. noise sound. I'd buy that. Um, oh, right. And it gets that wow, wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which just seems like a, like a synth that they're like moving the filter on. Mm. Which this, I always like question how sophisticated synthesizers were, but I think by 71, they had pretty good, like they would have had like a mini Moog available. So you could control okay, yeah. those parameters. Um, now, this one, the bass, you can hear a lot more prominently than any other version we've heard so far because a vibraphone isn't that meaty in terms of taking up space (laughs) yeah that's true it's like very gentle and high pitched so you really get that low end and i think the bass sounds really cool in this version actually particularly like there's a vibraphone solo section um i i think there's multiple solos for the vibraphone because i i believe that's correct um (laughs) There's some really cool bass on the second, I think, vibraphone solo, um, which is like around 112, where it starts to really pick up. And then like right. the bass is pretty cool there, too. Uh, and like overall, the bass has just got some good groove, even on very simple riffs. Just yeah. sounds pretty good. Yeah, this kind of takes the sound. Like, it's quite short. It's all instrumental. It's, it's just about three minutes long. So I guess it's not that short. But um, they, it's definitely not full length. And um, they kind of 
take the like basis of the song and just kind of like jam around it for a while. They don't even necessarily yeah. like solo a lot. There's a couple solos, but some of it they're just kind of like doing the thing and just like grooving. So a lot of it just feels like that, kind of like yeah, like it does feel like a a loose for, jam based around "Give Me Shelter." Yeah, um, but it's got some cool like old school sounds to it. It definitely kind of reminds me of some of the like um, if we would get um, covers by guys who like orchestrated movies and they would do a cover of pop songs or whatever. Kind of has that right, feel like, to it for me. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of that. Not quite as as massive as those. True, like the it, it one doesn't we have, have for... like a a big band or a light orchestra or anything, but just the vibe of it. Yeah, I could I could see this being movie soundtrack quality too. You would yeah. throw this in a, a like maybe a more artsy film for the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yes, I I like the vibe of this one, and I'm not specifically referring to the vibraphone, but that's there too, <laughs> and that's part of it. That is there. Yeah, it's very unique. Um, I mean, it's like maybe a little repetitive for the three minutes that it's there, but it does enough kind of fun things. There's enough interesting sounds, like you pointed out, that I I thought it was a pretty welcome stay. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do the full four and a half minutes because that would have been too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad I found this because I almost didn't like I I added this one to the playlist very late in the process. Um, yeah, this was a day I ago. Almost you missed this one, this. So. <laughs> so I'm glad I found it. Cause it's good time. Yeah, it definitely stands out on this playlist, too. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. We're going to move forward, though, to Sisters of Mercy in Sisters of Mercy, the band named after the song because it was in a movie, I think, so they knew it from that or something. That's right. They're like a kind of gothic-ish band. I heard them described as gothic in or goth in quotation marks in a YouTube video one time. I don't okay. really understand the background to that necessarily. But, is, is, uh, is, are they performatively goth? Like they just maybe. sound goth to the untrained ear? I don't know, but it's not like... Like they're fairly legit, I think. They've they've got like some solid like punk stuff going on in terms of their like attitude. And it's For not sure, like they yeah. were they were designed by committee or anything. So I don't really no. understand what's going on there. I do um, feel like they have some theatrics though, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but in a similar right. vein to Alice Cooper, like Yeah, I guess so. Where it's like it's not like fake. Mm-hmm. But there's it's definitely like we were just trying to do an aesthetic thing, and it worked out. Yeah. So we stuck with it. Great. Yeah, so their, their Spotify page calls them one of England's leading goth bands of the 1980s. And as we all know, Leonard Cohen told us that the Sisters of Mercy, they are not departed or gone. So that's yes, all I got which on is like, guys. <laughs> like, um, close, because, again, I just watched this YouTube video. It's just like a Trash Theory YouTube video. Right. Um, which is actually where I first learned about the band. But... Um, their whole history is like it was like three guys started this band and then they just started to fight. So like, there's one of them is still doing the band and the other two like wanted to call themselves Sisters of Mercy, but they couldn't. And there were like some legal proceedings, and they like both released a bunch of songs, 
that were just digs at each other for a while. So it's that kind of a story. Oh yeah, Interesting. similar to uh, like, when in Rome. Yes, except I think more successful overall. Yeah, I would. But, I would probably agree with that. But yeah, similar idea where it's like three people who kind of all had to pick sides and ended up unbalanced because they're not. So this so. is Sisters of Mercy. This is early 80s, um, although the album this was on is from 92. I think it was a single in 83. Okay. And the album that I, I can only find it on an album, but it's like a compilation album from later on. Right. So do we know if this is uh, the famous drum machine, Dr. Avalanche on drums? It sounds like a drum machine. Sick. <laughs> but I don't know. Um... It definitely sounds like a drum machine. This is much more like 80s. There's a lot more synthesizer going on here. The drums are very electronic with like big echoes. This wasn't like quite industrial era, but it's kind of got that sound to it. Yeah. They definitely maintain the like darkness mm-hmm. thing, which is, I mean, they're called gothic rock. So like, <laughs> or goth rock, maybe. Goth rock. Um, And... Sorry, I thought I had more of a... I thought I could finish that sentence. Um, So definitely more 80s style, more electronic. Um, The guitar is even further simplified. It's kind of just like picking single notes at at, the intro along with that... uh, Excuse me again, drum machine, probably. Yeah, very simple stripped-down drum machine, very simple stripped-down guitar. Um, even the, the one doing the ooh-oohs seems somehow simpler than anything else we've seen. It's all stripped down and dark feeling. Yeah, and with, like, a lot of echo mm-hmm. on a lot of things. Um, fills the space, I guess. But sure yes, do. guitar is doing the thing again. Vocals come in. Um, it's very, like, Lou Reed or Iggy Pop style, kind of, like deep brooding style yeah like almost talking but not quite um and they overall i would say make the song like kind of more repetitive like they do a lot more repetitions their version is almost six minutes long yeah um and i think i don't know but i get the idea like they covered this song but mostly just wanted to like shout rape murder a lot that seems yeah that seems like the vibe to me what i got out of this version uh because they repeat that line a ton yeah that does seem to be their main draw to this and probably because it was you know like edgy and and dark yeah and other than that they kind of like mix and match because they do like i said they they do a ton of repetition of that of like the chorus Mm-hmm. But they mix and match stuff, so they say like "War Sisters," but also they're the Sisters right. of Mercy, so like maybe it kind of fits. Um, maybe important part about the war. Anytime they mention war, is that they they switch it to it's just a kiss away instead of just a shot away. Yeah, so it definitely has that kind of like edge lord vibe to it. Yeah, <laughs> which is which I think fits in with their overall tone. Definitely. I, <laughs> Definitely. Actually, I just remembered the way they said it in the video. I said before, goth in quotation marks, but they say inverted commas in the video because I think it's a British thing. Inverted commas. (laughs) 
course. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so so it's, it's overall, kinda... this one has like a very, very droning. Yes, um, definitely. Know, yeah, yeah. Sorry, very I'm just agreeing with you. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, I, I mean, I pretty much have my point. Droning, very simplistic. Um, yeah. We eventually layer the vocals or get some harmonies going. That's true. Uh, we repeat the the storm verse at least once. Yeah, they kind of, yeah, switch things around. It's very, on the topic of, like, the drone, it almost gets, like, hypnotic at a point. You yeah. just kind of, like go along with it and it's just like and he's just kind of doing the same thing it's it's definitely got a weird weird vibe to it more like 80s yeah 80s goth is, yeah and maybe that's why they they kind of pick and pull the lines and the the arrangement of where verses go and stuff is because they are making this sort of hypnotic space yeah and i'm trying to i think we've talked about this before i don't remember the specific example but like where you get a version of a song where it's kind of hard to tell where you are in the song because it's a well-known song, but you're sort of doing this mixing and matching of things. And mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't matter where it is anymore, and you just sort of get lost in the this hypnotic effect of, of the song. Yeah. And, yeah, time doesn't matter anymore. So it's that kind of thing. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting effect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like intro instrumentally, I think they're they're stripping down and they're focused on like tones of things over like complexity. Plays in their favor. I think they create a good soundscape. Um, I think the vocals are a fit for the genre as well. Um, and the darkness plays to the lyrics as well. Um, yeah, and then we just get to the for the last two minutes, the shouting of rape and murder, which is I mean, I don't think anyone like even as we get to later versions of this, some people will remove that entirely. Yeah, yeah. Some people take the bridge out. Yeah, it 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 does come across as a little bit like pushing for the edge. Yeah. Which I would say it loses a few points for that. But there's some good ideas definitely here. Mm-hmm. And then as we come to the end, like things start to strip away, right? Yeah, the very, very end is, like, just vocal. And he just says, Whoa, children, it's just a kiss away, kiss away, kiss away, kiss away. Yeah, and I thought that was, but uh, with the actual was pretty rhythm. solid. Yeah. So there's some cool stuff. It's a little uneven, but uh, but definitely an interesting version. Definitely an interesting one. Under Undercut a bit by its own edgelord tendencies. But... Yeah, but if you, if you go into it knowing that, then it's Yeah, it's then I think experience. musically it is a good time. Yeah. I'm speaking to somebody who's musically always a good time, Patty Smith in 2007. Ah, yes, Patty Smith. Uh, we've talked about this album before, in fact. Um, this also has her cover of Smells Like Teen Spirit. Spirit, that is correct. It. Um, and oh yeah, we we kind of I always forget to like look up. I'm like, ah, oh, we talking about Patty Smith. People know who Patty Smith is, but Pete, do they? Do they? She's an American rocker slash poet. Yeah. She's yeah. Uh... So she kind of like started out as like this slam poetry person, and then met some musicians, and then they decided to do those things together. So we've talked about her several times now. We talked about yeah. her way back in Gloria. 
Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about it smells like teen spirit, and now we're talking about it again. And I feel like there was one more, but I can't remember. Not off the top of my head. We will probably talk about her in the future because I would like to discuss because the night. That's true. I know at least two versions of that song. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which but is yeah, definitely usually... kind of like her middle stuff, like because the night was a lot more like pop friendly. Mm-hmm. And even this song is a little more of that too. Yeah, it's a very like um, sort of just organic version of the original. Whereas yeah, the original has some overdub effects and things. This one's kind of just stripped down to the same notes, but just done on like singular instruments. Yeah, and like um, they sneak an acoustic guitar in there, yeah, just for fun. And there's it's it's more of like a kind of like country twang thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really it's stylistically very similar to when we talked about her in um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Obviously, it's the same same album, album, but she changes that song a lot more. This is much more of a straight cover. This is very straight. Yeah, one thing that uh, of course "Smells Like Teen Spirit" had for it, same with Gloria, is she throws her own poetry in. Yes, which doesn't and it really happen. like. Yeah, it really shifts the context of it. It's very very cool. Yeah, when she does it's that. usually quite interesting because it'll be like it'll be thematically related and sort of expand Mm -hmm. on sort of how she thinks of the themes of the song, or at least that's how it seems to us because it can be interpreted that way. Yeah. Um, But that doesn't happen here. Mm -hmm. This is probably the most straightforward cover of hers I've heard. Yeah. Um, It does have that like Americana country twang, like you said. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. A lot of it is very, very close to the original. Just a bit of, instrument change i like it because it's patty smith it's it's solid because she's a good musician but in terms of like oh holy shit it doesn't have that factor for me yeah it doesn't have a a ton of like special things i'm some of the things she does do like she chews up a lot of the words um in the bridge in particular has a like poetry reading feel to it Mm-hmm. even though it's not one of her poems that she's reading um and she does some like kind of hooting and hollering <laughs> mm-hmm. or like sound she does the like Meh! like break up into into that really high like kind of oh yeah that that patty smith classic where she's yeah. like, <laughs> um so it's really yeah it's very patty smith uh but it's definitely a lot closer to the original version mm-hmm. than we have come to expect from her yeah and like that that all that said it's it's still like it's still good. It's just like not to the standard of her other covers. Yeah, or at least it's not as novel. As, yeah, not as, as novel. Maybe that's the word to it. But so I think it does, does meet a, a standard job. of music. And if she, if I yeah. heard her perform this, I'd be like, oh, this is fucking sick. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. So I don't think it's bad. It's just there's less to like pick out. Yeah, not a lot to delve like, into, quite frankly. But hell yeah, always excited to talk about Patti Smith. Definitely. Um, with that, I guess let's move forward into U2, Fergie, Will I Am, and Mick Jagger in 2010. Yes. Live performance from the 25th anniversary Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert. That's right. Um, did you watch the video? I should have. I did not. There is um, a video. 
I'll look that up right now. Um, uh, for our listeners, you've heard us talk about this concert before oh. in our London Calling episode. This is oh. the same one where Bruce Springsteen and Tom Morello performed. Oh, uh, I actually, I forgot that it was the same one, but I did reference that. Like, I did think of that. Well, um, good, mostly because the big thing, this version does not have a Tom Morello guitar solo. It's pretty close cover. Um, if you watch the video, you get to hear Bono say, Well, I am in the house, y'all. Fergie oh, no. in the house, y'all. Yeah, what this cover really taught me is that I don't like U2 or the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> um, it's definitely got a more like the edge sound to the guitar because the edge is yeah. playing the guitar. Something interesting, another YouTube video reference, if I may. Um, yes. I watched a, a Rick Beato video a couple weeks ago, and he was interviewing a friend of his who was a session guitarist. And one comment mm -hmm. he made I thought was very interesting. He was talking about how what he as a session guitarist was expected to do changed over like the few decades uh, when he was performing. And he said kind of once he hit the 80s, or like once U2 became huge, which I think was in the 80s, um, yeah. Suddenly, everyone as a session guitarist was expected to be the edge, mm. like sonically, and that that hasn't changed since then. Like that's still true, which I think is wild. That is wild because his sound is you're more of a, a sound producer than you are a guitarist. I think when you play like the edge, yeah, he's very uh, like focused on tone. And I know uh, we both watched the documentary. Um, it might get it loud. might get loud where he is featured prominently, but he's also like you see his effects rig, and he's just got this like huge like rack of stuff, and he's just like turning knobs and pushing yeah. buttons. He's like, all I'm playing stuff. is this. And then, yeah, and it's then, like got all this like rep repetition and echo, and he's like playing one note, and it's like, da -da 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 -da, like, he's just like, beh, beh. which I, I definitely at the time I was a little turned off of, but I have more respect for it now that I've messed around with synthesizers. And yeah, with synthesizers and pedals. There. Like, yeah, it's still definitely, yeah. uh, like, you, it requires a skill and a, an ear for noise. Yes. But, Ultimately, I don't like the final effect. Yeah, I have like, mixed feelings about U2. I like some U2 songs. but I like some U2 songs. I have his live speech from Sunday Bloody Sunday memorized because <laughs> I've listened to it a thousand times since I was six years old. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, what, that's what's going on here. In terms of the performance, it kind of starts as like they start to play the song and then Mick Jagger walks out. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. And then they start to do like trade-off parts basically um yeah and then there's this like brief moment where mick jagger and fergie are like dancing like facing each other but from far apart um like right at the beginning of the song right um what else happens yeah they kind of trade off like mick jagger sings the first verse bono sings the second verse and then they duet in the choruses um and then the edge plays a guitar solo which sounds fairly similar to the original but it's the edge so he's doing his own thing mm -hmm. um and then fergie comes out and now we talked about in the original how him shouting during the bridge was like maybe a little bit out of place yeah uh, <laughs> fergie <laughs> does some ad-libbing when she's singing the bridge um that is probably a little more out of place because she's like mm, baby 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 and she's like and murder oh yeah and like, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's completely out there. I thought it's so like, tasteless. I, I understand that you want to, you know, bring up the energy or whatever, but it's maybe not the 
best lyrics to be adding yeah, those ad-libs to. I, again, while you're, she's like half grinding up on the edge on the here. Edge, yeah, and he's like, don't touch my arm. That's my guitar playing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just a very, uh, like a performance that is divorced in, I think, many ways from the original song. Yeah, and I get that's like more, I'm assuming, uh, in her style of how she would perform. So that's what she's more comfortable with. It, sure, it, fair it's enough. Just gets, yeah, it's, it's a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little not the most fitting. Yeah, it's just like looking at the other like mishmash performances that this Hall of Fame concert had, like going back to Bruce Springsteen and Tom Morello, like the connection between those two and their singing of The Clash, London Calling, makes a lot more sense to me than the connection of these three groups. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's a little bit odd. Although I do respect that Will I Am's just kind of like chilling in the background playing his synthesizers the whole time. Like that's just, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like ah whatever, I don't care. Yeah, in, in fairness to Will I Am, he doesn't really do anything bad to this song. Yeah, he's he's got his like Moog sub fatty. I think he's got his yeah. other thing that I didn't take note of, and he's just he's just in the background. Um, is there anything else? Oh, yes. Okay. So there's a, another part where like Mick Jagger and, and Fergie are like shouting cause they're both like belting. Yeah. And, and also Mick Jagger, I think other. is a bit off here, but he's just kind of old and like, I don't know if he has the best singing technique, but anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so they're just like shouting at each other basically. And like kind of doing like a Mick Jagger dance at each other, but they both seem like they're trying to like mirror each other. It looks like, but are so erratic that like neither one knows what to do. Yeah. It's very amusing. I definitely recommend it watching it. I'm watching it as <laughs> we speak. So, and they're just like shouting at each other and like flailing limbs randomly. And of course, at this point, while they're having this flailing dance battle, uh, Bono's in the back going, la, 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 la. <laughs> That's right. La, 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 la. La la back of vocals. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's no it's no Springsteen and Tom Morello. <laughs> um it, but it's definitely an interesting combination that uh could only happen at a at an awards. Some yeah, one show. of these chaotic mishmashes that's just like well like what's popular right now and <laughs> who's has an album out? They'll work together. They're professionals. Just put them on stage. Yeah, just put them on stage. Yeah, I like. I don't like how the 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 U two style, the Edge's style of guitar sounds on this song. Which it's like it's too clean, I think, for what is a song that is sort of like dark and dirty. Yeah, maybe. I I, I didn't. I was distracted because I mostly watched the video. I was mostly distracted right. by what's going on stage. That's fair, and there was <laughs> there was so much to take in there. Um, yeah, the the Bono la 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 backups, not great. The the ad libs in the the murder bridge, <laughs> murder bridge, terrible. <laughs> yes, although um, Fergie definitely has the Mick Jagger dance down. Oh yeah, and makes it her own. So so that's that's one yeah, thing she's got going I, I, for. I guess for big sure. energy guys, like good job there. Yes, <laughs> this is a big energy version for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. What a what a song that happened at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the year of our Lord, 2010. 2010? Actually, 2009. 2000, it was released in 2010. Oh, yeah. 2009 looks like it was October 29th and, and 30th. 30th. Yeah. 
So um, now, yes, we've got one more version. No, we've got two more versions. Got two more versions. We've got another one to talk about. This one is playing for change in 2011. Which is like a, they're like a an international music group that plays around the world and sort of sounds like they focus on street music from just everywhere. Like I looked at some of their members, they've got members from like the USA, they've got France and they've got um, the democratic Republic of Congo, Japan, South Africa, Italy, Israel, Zimbabwe, Jamaica, all kinds of places. Yeah. It's, I think I've seen, I don't know what class I was in, they showed a video of this mm. where they did the song Stand By Me with mu- musicians from around the world. Yes, that was um, like when I went to their website. I've never seen this version of Stand By Me, but that's what like was noted. So I think that was like their probably not technically hit, but like their kind of 15 minutes of fame was their version of Stand By Me got popular. Yeah, because people were like, oh, wow, like it's all done by people around the world and the song Stand By, be- by Me. So it's about, you know, relying on others and being together. Holy shit. And then. I don't know. Obviously, they've been doing okay. Yeah. I mean, they at least had a song in 2011. Yeah. And let's see. Are they still going? 2020? Yeah. They got a, they got a 2020 yeah. 10-year anniversary edition. Yeah. So they're oh, like yeah, a, they a things. big music group. And uh, they do this song as well. Mm-hmm. This one is interesting. It starts with like some hand drums. And then they go a lot more bluesy after that. Yeah, it's um, and apparently they do have some New Orleans musicians who are fairly uh, involved in this project. So mm-hmm. that was a a vibe I noted in the sort of blues was that it seemed kind of New Orleans to me. I could be wrong in that though. Yeah, and but it's got like it's like that world music feel, you know, where you kind of yeah, like it's still. I mean, obviously it's a Rolling Stones cover, but it's like it's like Western pop music with other instruments. With other instruments, yeah, because we're starting with that hand percussion. Like you said, and that's just about shorthand for world music. Yeah, if you, you want to there, like world music, put hand drums in, and people will know what you're going for. Yeah, or at least I will. Um, mm-hmm. And like this, like really slidey, slidey guitar doing blues. Yeah. Riffs. Um. There's um, also the split between two vocalists. So there's like female vocalists, vocalist. And then mm-hmm. a, a male vocalist later on, but repeats the first verse, and then they do they harmonize? Yes, I they do. Think so. Yes, they must, right? Yeah, I mean, there's only so many tricks you can pull, right? I guess there's some other backup vocals too. There are, yes. Once you get to the chorus, I guess that's the other thing you want to do in world music is like have a choir. Yeah, because then it's like you get as many voices in there as possible, right? Yeah, so it sounds like yeah, everyone's included. Yeah. It's the whole world. They are the world. They are they are the children. Um I'm not actually trying to talk shit about world music, but <laughs> <laughs> No, I think are, it might sound a like a known world music fan, I believe. Uh it's true. Uh it's true. I like music. What? Um or what? you know what we call world music, which is kind of a weird name, but that's a discussion for another day. Non-western music pretty much. Um yeah. It's a discussion for another time. Um so yeah, then they get that that uh, choir in there, and there's 
more of like the wah style guitar and like a muted guitar as well that's really playing that rhythm just kind of like really for that first kind of half yeah this one is really like it relies on that rhythm more than anything else there's the hand drums that look like it builds a, a rich percussion and then sort of just does things on top of that Yes, a lot of it is um, bluesy sounds. Yeah. Uh, blues guitar. But there's other stuff, too. Like, like uh, during a chorus, this is like the 120 to 130 mark. There's like mm-hmm. this really scratchy sound. And I don't know if someone's just like wrecking a violin or what. But it's, it's I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds oh, like yeah, someone's fast bowing a violin. Almost like they're sawing playing. it. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, there's also a harmonica part. And that's sort of when they get into the, the second half, which is like more bluesy. Yeah. They like go hard on the blues in the second half because uh, they do a bit of harmonica and then like some slide guitar. And then go back into the first verse. Right. Yeah. And this is where it switches to the male vocalist, yeah. right? And uh, more of like a kit drum here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of yeah how they do it. They break it up into sort yeah. of halves, and then sort of, and then you know, for the chorus, they bring more vocals back. The female vocals, in particular, return. Um, and then some of the stuff at the end where it's more like more of a focus on the like love part. There's a "Give me love, my brother" line, and let's give some love away stuff like that. Right, yeah. It tries to pull in that inspirational vibe with some ad-libs. Yeah. And uh, kind of do some, like, wah stuff at the end. Like, wah, 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 and, like, harmonica wah, 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 wah. stuff into the outro. Yeah. And it's got, I said, the the chill international pop version of a big rock outro. That's, yeah, 100%. Kind of... Yeah, chill international pop is a good <laughs> label for what this one is overall. Yeah, it's a lot more laid back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, that sort of inclusivity feeling you would get from what would be classified as world music, I think, works with the song because war is obviously an international issue. So it kind of fits. And then the call yeah. at the end to work together and and bring people closer together yeah to what what is the 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 catchphrase in the fourth season of arrested development is it love each other where that that one comes up like so he's like what like what should i do he's like love each other i don't i don't remember i don't remember (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's it they say it like it comes up in a bunch of different places season four of arrested development everyone that's who's sponsoring this episode yeah it's a mixed bag but i i still think it's better than season five oh, all right yeah, easily. Uh, um yeah but yeah like you said i think pulling on that we are the world vibe brings out the 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 outro like thesis yeah, statement more in particular um and they pull they draw on the, this sort of older line of blues than what is present in the the rolling stones yeah definitely more original. like blues as opposed to blues rock or blues flavored rock yeah and i think i think the vocal performances are strong uh it's yeah i think it's a fairly solid version it's sturdy it's got good legs you know yeah yeah and it works and that's the speaking of people who work 
Uh, <laughs> and have legs. <laughs> and have legs. Flora Martinez in 2016. A storm is threatening my very life to take. If I don't get some shelter. A Canadian, Colombian actress and singer. She's been in yeah. movies, mostly Spanish she, language. Yeah. Um, she debuted on TV at the age of 14. On TV? Yeah. In Colombia or in Quebec? I'm not sure. Because she was born in Montreal. And then later Montreal. at some point, I mean, I guess must have moved to Colombia or she wouldn't be Canadian Colombian, right? Right. Well, unless she, she's just of Colombian descent, but born I thought, in Canada. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Uh, but she seems to do things in Spanish primarily. Yeah, she seems to have, and it says like a lot of her hits are in Colombia, Spain, France, and Monaco. Yeah. Monaco. What a what a place. What a place. So sh- this is our, our echoey, moody, soft piano version. Yeah. Jazzy. Jazz Definitely there's some sure. jazz stuff going on. Not It's not the like... We're going to do solos for half the song jazz. It's the like slow moody jazz. Mm-hmm. And it's more jazz chords than anything, I think. Because that's yeah. really it. She sings, she sings slowly, and then there's jazz chords happening. Yeah, and by benefit of it being a stand-up bass that plays rather than an electric one, it ah, sounds yes. jazzier. It does. And then some some softer drums on there. It's like, nah, it's a little bit jazzy. So Yeah, yeah, yeah like you get the light jazz. drums. Maybe they're brushes. I don't know. Yeah, but they're exactly. not so overwhelming. It's, just... it's not this driving beat. It's this like kind of thing. Exactly, notes of jazz in this. Yes, and then like the piano will do little licks and stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else does she do? She kind of she cuts out the first chorus. She does the verse right. one right into verse two, um, and you kind of get like there's like subtle changes to the way the piano plays so like it starts with more chords and then starts to play more interstitial notes between the chords and then kind of even more of that like more note playing uh later on sort of as it builds but it's all very subtle build it's all very like yeah slow quiet close mic soft delicate you got a thesaurus? We could go all day. Like <laughs> we could go all day. We could do this. Um, uh, no, yeah, you're right. It is. Uh, it's very soft. Um, one, I don't know if I'm mishearing it. If it's she's just added in an extra it's on the line. Uh, Mad Bull. The original is Mad Bull lost your way. This one she says Mad. Either she says Mad Bull, it's lost its way, or she says My bullets lost its way. Yeah, it kind of sounds like she says bullet. But I think she said bull th- says bull that, yeah. but it totally m- loses that the sound. Mm. So it just becomes like mad bull ats lost its way kind of thing. I that's right. the idea I get. But because I I can't make heads or tails of mad bullets lost its way. Well, I think it would be my bullets in this case, but maybe oh, uh, yeah, I think I guess it's obviously so. just mishearing my the. Bullet. It does. I mean, it could talking about a bullet losing its way that's kind of an interesting line as well yeah. in like a poetic sort of way mm-hmm. where like but is it is it real are we hearing this or is it just us i don't making know up something we like i don't know i kind of like the line though <laughs> bullets like lost it. its way it's like it's like 
it was supposed to be defensive, but now it's a war kind of thing, you know? Yeah, it's like, was this really defense? Was it, uh, what was my goals when I shot this bullet? Yeah. And where has it gone? And obviously it's absurd because, like, a bullet losing its way. Bullets go straight. Or, like, kind of just referencing the idea of, like, friendly fire or or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or, or, um, what's the bystander? What's the... What's the word for when you get shot accidentally? Uh, oopsie. Like when you're trying to shoot. <laughs> like if like if someone's trying to shoot another person or thing, um, but misses and accidentally hits someone else. Is that Their a name misfire? Maybe. I think that misfire, friendly fire, interference. If God is loaded and pointed my way, it's only one bullet, one bound to life. Yeah. So you, were, you, were you trying to find the word in that song? I was trying to think. I was. I wanted to know if maybe that was in there. It was in there. Um, I so feel like there's a, a word for it, but I don't know. <laughs> you might be right. This one does like a sort of soft building up of things. Collateral so like damage? Arc. Collateral damage. That would be acceptable. It fits, but I don't know if it's the word. Anyway. It's, it's not necessarily specific to that, but it does. It would certainly fall under that umbrella. Yeah. Um. So the first verse is just vocals and pianos. Just one piano, really. And then at the end of that, we get the the soft jazz drums and the stand-up bass coming in. Mm -hmm. Then on the second, I believe it's the second chorus. It might be the first chorus. On the chorus, we we get a guitar, a very light acoustic guitar doing arpeggios. Yeah, Um, that's that's the chorus. Yeah, the first chorus. Because they skip the first chorus, so it's it's after the second verse, but it's first chorus. Right. So yeah, it's after it. And then uh, there's a little piano solo that bridges us to the third verse. Yeah, kind of one of those short. Mm-hmm. We've ah, removed the Mary Clayton bridge from this. There is no talk of murder. Yes, also a fairly short version. Is it the shortest yeah. version? It could be. It's, it's under three minutes. So. Yeah, it's like close to the the Cal Jader version. Yeah, it's uh, very close between those two. Yeah, yeah. Um. This one was, uh, as far as soft piano ones go and, and jazz ones go, I didn't mind this one. Yeah, I thought it was pretty solid, too. Um, they kind of stretch out the singing parts, because really the choruses, the verses, rather, are very short. But mm-hmm. because it's like this slow jazz thing, they kind of just elongate everything. Yeah, and like the way she lets her, her voice just kind of trail off on lines, it gives you a little time to to think about it yeah. to digest it right yeah so as far as that like slow loungy jazz goes pretty good mm-hmm. it's pretty good and yeah and the, and the moodiness plays i think to the themes of this song true true it's got that kind of solo darkness of like self-introspection which is mm-hmm. really where the song came from originally yeah So it's cool. Yeah, it's not bad. I think it's pretty good, in fact. I would go so far as to say, good. Yeah. All right. With that, we're going to get into our final verdicts. We've got today three categories. The worst version, the best version, and... I, I usually... I have something. Usually you do. Um... I've been impressed thus far, honestly, that you are always like, I came up with it at the last moment. 
But it usually and works. It usually works. Today, um, what? Well, you know what? Since it's about shelter and we're in the winter month, which of these is the coziest version? The coziest version? Okay. Yes. Yep. All right. All right, Alex. What's the worst, worst version, version of this? I actually and thought... Why is... <laughs> why is... No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, was... it's the YouTube Fergie Mick Jagger Will I Am version. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because like all the other ones, I thought we were actually pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, but that one fell flat, really, compared to them. Uh, it was a little all over the place. Amusing. Worth watching, for sure. Sure. Not necessarily worth listening to, though. Yeah. Um, so, but compared to all the... I would pick any of the other ones ahead of that one. Oh, easily. Any day of the, any day of the Shark Week. <laughs> any day of the Shark Week. No, 100%, I agree. Just a, just an absolute garbage fire. Just the, <laughs> the like, blending... I didn't. I honestly didn't even together. think it was a garbage fire, but it's like still markedly worse than anything else in this list. Yeah, I don't know. I just, <laughs> it's just listening to it. I just that Fergie. It's got like, definite problems. Ad libs alone is just bad. I I don't know. Not not a good version. Let's talk about the best version, Alex. What is the best it? version? What is the best version? I liked a couple of them. Um, I think my best version. Was Cal Jader the instrumental one? Um, yeah, it's got some cool. I I mentioned the cool vibes. That's what I was talking about before, and I I stand by those vibes. I I will let you stand by them. I'm gonna give it to Mary Clayton. I think she managed to take a song that she had been on like no more than three months ago, and then turn it into something different. Pretty that significantly still highlights different. Her voice. Yeah, yeah, and and it's got great energy. It sounds good. It's uh, it's maybe a little bit like removed from some of the source material, but uh, I I still think it sounds great. Yeah, she still does some of that vocal crack stuff, so you know. Yeah, uh... so there's still a lot of power behind it, a lot of energy, and uh, yeah, fucking slaps. Yeah, definitely. Alex, coziest version of this. Yeah, I mean, for me, if you want to talk cozy. You want to talk slow jazz. And I don't know why, because I don't listen to slow jazz a whole lot. But that's the vibe I get from that. And as long as we're talking about vibes, I think i got to say Flora Martinez. Yeah, I think that's also a solid choice. I think if you entered into a space where this was playing, you would, you would have a good idea. I would expect, I would anticipate coziness, yeah. Yeah, you'd be like, all right, we're going we're gonna to lay back a bit. Here. Nobody's going to be too up in my business. We're all just going to, you know communally enjoy whatever's going on here yeah except not right now because stay home everybody yeah stay home don't you commune with anyone if you're listening to this during covid yeah if you're not what's it like you having a good time do you (laughs) know what 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 am i doing what am i doing please tell me from the future (laughs) tell me um good choice alex i think cozy yeah flora martinez i think is probably universally the right answer I'm going to go personal with it and say if Patty Smith was on in a room, I'd feel pretty cozy. And since yeah. the version itself doesn't do too many outlandish moves, like it is very cozy in that sense as well. You just go, oh, yeah, it's the Rolling Stones, but Patty yeah. Smith style. There's no, there's no huge leaps. It's not like nine minutes long and half of it is just a different poem. There's not a bunch of weird sound effects or anything like that. Yeah. It's just it's, uh, straightforward. Straightforward. 
And that's our final verdict. If you've got a similar opinion, but more importantly, a different opinion, or you want to talk to us about one of the versions we didn't talk about, or if you want to talk to us about the U2, Fergie, Will I Am, McJagger version, hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at JakeTheCressy, at some Alex Wise guy, or you can email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Send us your comments, questions, concerns. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us. We have no marketing budget, not a single dollar. So, you know, tell somebody. Print it out on a a sticker or something. Write it on a wall outside of your uncle's apartment. And then, but be ready to run because he's going to come chase (laughs) you. With that, we're going to move into our bonus segment. Which today we, uh, since we just we feel like we attacked playing for change a little bit. Alex, what are some good, quote unquote, world music recommendations? World music like, like Sting world music or like just music from around the world. If if you yeah you you play it either way you like it, Alex. If somebody to come up to you and said like, Alex, name me like, three I world to some musicians. World music, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not gonna tell you anything crazy out there. But obviously, you got to check out Peter Gabriel's stuff that involves hand drumming and choirs and stuff. Because, you know, it's Peter Mm -hmm. Gabriel. It's a good time. And, like, I'm not going to not tell them to listen to Graceland. Like, I love Graceland. Probably a little bit too much. Um, One that you turned me on to, and I don't know if this counts as world music. Joaquin Cooter, sometimes, I think, has a bit of a world music thing going on. Not always. a bit of that. Um, and that's always fun to listen to as well. Cause people are like, who is this? <laughs> and then I say Joaquin Cooter and they're like, oh, excuse me, say again, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's definitely a good place to start. Um, I never really got into sting. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Outside of the police, I really don't listen to much sting. Uh, there was that one time where I had a teacher talk about windmills in your mind and play the right. song for us very loudly. And then I think he started crying a bit. <laughs> <laughs> really? Mm, that might have been a different song. It's not important. The important thing is he was talking about the complex plane and trying to talk about imaginary numbers to us. Well, complex numbers. Right. Um, and how it's like a windmill in your mind. And that took a really long, awkward time for him to not really get across to us. I love that story so much. I've I've heard you tell it probably like it's ten a, times. It's a good story. It's so good. I love every, and I will think about it sometimes if I'm thinking about Sting. I'm like the windmills in your mind. I'm like I know it relates to some like concept, but I don't know. So yeah, I mean that's a good place to go. Um, so your entry level is uh, Peter Gabriel, definitely, and uh, Paul Simon Graceland. If you were to go like intermediate, what would be the next step? I'm not really intermediate. I feel like I took one class and then like. Okay, okay, sure. Well, if you're Alex Termediate. What's Alex <laughs> Termediate. And then I think I've talked about this before. Um, you know, definitely check out Fela Kuti. Definitely a good mm. one to check out. He's like Nigerian and the genre is called Afrobeat. But he like. It's a lot of very interesting, like very funk inspired music. Um, okay. And it's a lot of really long songs too. So it's another one that's fun to play around people because they're like, is this song still on? You're like, yep, you're supposed to dance to it for like 20 minutes. Uh, oh my goodness. But we're just like eating dinner. <laughs> <laughs> 
so that's a fun one. Um, and uh, anything with highlight, people... yeah, F E L A, yeah, K U T I. That's correct. Um, and then anything with high life guitars in it, because they're fun. Which that's not really descriptive, but. We we talked about a song quite a while back we that did. had high life guitars in it. Yeah, it involves a lot of like playing high on the neck, mm-hmm. basically. And there's more to it than that, but I don't remember. There's what. more to it. Than yeah, that. there was like a cover. Oh no, it was um, was it this charming man? I I feel like it might because the be. intro to this charming man kind of has a high life feel, like but like like very adapted, but it's sort of in that vein. Mm-hmm. It was either that or did once in a lifetime did the Angelique Kijo version have? Oh, almost certainly. I don't remember it specifically, but probably. Yeah, it seems like something. Well, there you have it, po- people. There are some some <laughs> points you can use to enter into the the exciting world of world music. The world of world music. There had to be a better way to say that, but I didn't find it. The world of That's... international pop music. There you go. I don't know. Alex got there. It was certainly a, a move in the right direction, Alex. No, hang on, shit. Now I'm just filling for time so I can improvise a thing we always say. Who am I kidding? We always say that. It's not improvised. It's the truth. <laughs> on every episode of this podcast. We have said. We have said, love, sister. It's just a cover me. It's just a cover me.